This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I'm glad that Zane's here this afternoon, though. I'm going to talk about him for just a minute. You know, back when we were a little bit younger, we, uh, or I liked to go watch Zane play basketball back when he was in high school. Enjoyed watching him play. He was a, a good basketball player. He still is. We played, what, a month or so ago, and he, he's still got some skill. I think I'll give him that. Um, but we would go, and we would play basketball. We'd go up to the gym. We'd play basketball every now and then, and, and I could remember, even though I knew Zane can shoot a, a three-point shot, in his, if you're in his face, it doesn't matter. I would still go and try to guard him when they would dish him the ball at the three-point line. I'm thinking, oh, I'm close enough. I'm, I'm a little taller than he is. I can get this. I'd jump, get nothing but air, and then hear the net just pop. He got me. He got me again. So then come my turn, I'd get the ball, and he's far enough away. He's not going to get this and go to shoot and rejected. He'd smack the ball away. And I don't know if you've ever played basketball and been rejected, but it's not a good feeling. Now, luckily, it wasn't like a high school game where you got the whole state, you know, everybody in the the court or in the gym going, ooh, ooh, rejected. It wasn't like that, thankfully. But uh, it's not a good feeling, is it? It's not fun to feel rejected. And so that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. We're going to talk a little bit about rejection. I'm going to talk a little bit, uh, a little bit of my personal life. I say personal like it's personal. It's just more stuff that some of y'all don't know because (laughs) it's when I was younger, before Cress and I got married. Back when I was in high school, I, I dated this girl for, oh, just a little over a year and a half, and, uh, I was smitten. She didn't have red hair, but she had curly hair. And uh, I just thought, I thought I was in love, as teenagers do, you know, not really realizing what true love is. Um, Then one day, like I said, after about a, I don't know, a year and a month, something like that, she just ignored me. Just didn't want me to be her boyfriend anymore. And I was rejected. She let me go, and I was devastated. I was upset for quite some time. That was, it was a hard breakup. Um, but, you know, we have to go through those things, don't we? I asked a couple of girls out in high school and was re- rejected from them, and probably for good reason. They, weren't, they said I wasn't their type. Well, honestly, they probably weren't my type either, but, you know, you ask girls out because you think you can anyway. Um, and then I get to college and I met Cressa and uh, she rejected me um, before we started dating that was a little bit hard to take but I I didn't give up I I persevered so to say so it happens on the flip side of that though I've rejected people before 
I rejected people in high school. I, you know, there was friends per se that I didn't hang out with outside outside of school. Um, they would ask me to go do stuff with them. Well, they were about partying, and I, that just wasn't my thing. So I rejected them. I didn't go do those things with them because that wasn't what I was about. So I've rejected friends. I've rejected coworkers. I've rejected job opportunities. You know, there's things that we can say that we've rejected because it just wasn't either something we weren't interested in or something we knew that we weren't supposed to be a part of. And as Christians, we have to reject those things. We have to reject people or opportunities because they're just things that we're not supposed to be a part of. We don't need to be a part of as Christians. And my point is, we all, we all deal with rejection, some form of rejection in our lives. Whether it's relationships or family or it's friends or a job or sports, you know, whatever it is, rejection affects all of us at some point in our life. But we can't turn away and run, run away from it. We have to, you know, face it head on. We can't just, you know, run away and not deal with it. We have to respond to it in a positive way. And we use it to make us a better person, uh, make us better Christians. And most of all, we need to rely on God and trust in his will for us. So rejection isn't anything new. It's something that we read about in the Bible. There's several uh, instances or stories that we could read about in the Bible about rejection. Uh, I'm actually just going to cover three of them, and two of them have to do with Jesus. The first one that we're going to look at this morning, though, this morning, this afternoon, is Joseph and how he was rejected. Uh, the story of Joseph is in the book of Genesis. It starts in chapter 37 and actually doesn't end till. Uh, chapter 50, that's, what, 14 chapters? So I hope you've all gone to the bathroom and you're comfortable because we're about to go through all of that. Not really, I'm just going to summarize. I, we wouldn't make it through that and, until tomorrow sometime if I was reading it. So I'm going to do my best to summarize it. Uh, we're going to cover the first part just up to where he gets rejected, and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish it here at the, at the end of, kind of towards the end of the lesson. So... Uh, the story of Joseph, it's a, a story of heroic redemption and forgiveness. Joseph was the most loved son of his father Jacob. And when he was given the famous, or he was given the famous robe or, or coat of many colors, uh, I'm sure all of us have heard that Bible story. Well, this is it right here. So uh, when Joseph reported having dreams of his brothers and even the stars and moon bowing before him, his brothers got jealous of him. And that jealousy grew into action. So his brothers became so jealous and angry with him, they sold him into slavery. Uh, they him, sold him into slavery to a, a traveling caravan of Ishmaelites who end up taking him to Egypt, and then they sell him to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Now I'm gonna, that's the point where I'm going to stop. I know it seems like we didn't go over a whole lot, but... That to that point is where I want to get right now of where he was rejected. We can see that Joseph was rejected by his brothers. And we're going to move on to the next one, and that's where Jesus was rejected uh, by his hometown. <clears throat> now we read, we are going to read this one. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 30. 
And he came to Nazareth where he, he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of them that, that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness, or bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, but I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon. Unto a woman that was a widow, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up, and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, was, but he passing through the midst of them, went his way. So Jesus comes back to his hometown of Nazareth and teaches in the synagogue. Uh, he reads a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61, verse one through, verses 1 through 2. Um, and these passages speak of an anointed one who preaches the good news to the poor, frees the people who are imprisoned, heals the blind, and releases the oppressed and then Jesus takes that and he relates those passages to himself. So essentially, what he's saying is, I'm that guy. What these passages are talking about, I'm that guy. That's me. The Spirit of God is upon me and what you have heard today, what I just read to you, is being fulfilled. I'm the Messiah, is what he's telling them, essentially. And so, you know, at first they were amazed, but then people, they started to talk a little bit. Isn't this Joseph's son? We've known this guy all of our life. I mean, his family, they're just normal people. And you're over here saying that you're the Messiah? I imagine those are the things that are going through their head. I mean, come on, man. Am I supposed to believe that? I know you. I know your family. You're just normal people. You're not anything royal. How are you the Messiah? So Jesus, you know, he's... I know you probably won't believe me because no prophet is accepted in his own country, but I'm telling you the truth. Then Jesus, he adds fuel to the fire by reminding the crowd that the Israelites, which God had sent the prophets Elijah and Elisha to, they were so closed off and resistant to their message 
that God finally sent them to the Gentiles, who the Jews considered to be the worst of sinners. And not only was this hometown boy claiming to be the Messiah, but he compared his fellow Jews to the hard-hearted people of the northern kingdom of Israel who were destroyed hundreds of years ago for their covenant unfaithfulness. This had to be insulting to them. So, like it says, they were upset. They got mad. They got mad. They threw him out. They led him up to the edge of a hill so they could throw him off of it. However, Jesus was able to escape. When you think about this, this was Jesus' hometown. People that knew him, like I said, they know who he was. They know his family. And all Jesus really did was tell them the truth. He didn't tell them anything that was a lie. He told them the truth, but they just didn't believe it. So as they rejected Jesus, they also rejected his doctrine. And then the next one we're going to look at is Jesus was rejected by his own people. And we can look at John chapter 6, verse 30 through 66, where Jesus is teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. Uh, I'm going to do the same here. I'm going to try to condense and summarize. I I do encourage you to go read that yourself. There's some stuff I'm not going to completely cover, um, so I encourage you to read that yourself. So some of the Jews that were present that day in the synagogue were asking for a sign to prove to them that Jesus was who he said he was. Give us a sign. Give us a sign like the manna that was given to their ancestors by Moses from heaven to eat. Jesus tells them, look, Moses didn't give you or your ancestors the true bread from heaven. I'm the true bread from heaven that has come down to give the world life. So they tell Jesus, well, give us that bread. Give us that bread. They wanted it right then. Jesus tells them that he's the bread of life. In verse 35, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He says, you've seen me. You've seen the miracles I've done, but you still don't believe. I'm here to do my Father's will, and his will is, verse 40, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Well, guess what their response was? Their response was very similar to the response the Jews gave in uh, Nazareth. Isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son? We know his parents. How can he be from heaven? This doesn't make sense. Jesus, again, tells them that he's the bread of life. He says, yes, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. They ate that which is good for the body, but the bread that I offer is is for the soul, so you'll never die. In verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Well, guess what that does? That, that kind of throws them for a loop. You can imagine what they were t- talking about. Did he say, eat of his flesh? What's he talking about? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? I'm sure some of them probably thought, man, that's gross, man. I'm, 
I'm done. I'm out of here. I don't, this guy's crazy. You know? I'm sure that had to go through some people's mind when he said that. They didn't know what he was talking about. Jesus tells them, look, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have eternal life and I will raise you up on the last day. You will dwell in me and I in you. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Not like your fathers ate in the wilderness and are dead, but whoever eats from this bread will live forever. And after Jesus says this, several disciples, they start to doubt him. They think, man, this, this is hard to hear. I'm not even sure what to think right now. I'm done. I'm going to skip several verses. I'm going to get to the point. Verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Many of his disciples walked no more with him. People that have followed him and knew him and to that point believed his doctrine and they rejected him. People that have seen his miracles and heard his doctrine. So once again, Jesus is rejected and so is his doctrine. So what can we learn from this? Well, make the best of it. Don't lose faith. Well, let's go back and see what happened with Joseph. Remember, he was sold to, into slavery by his brothers because they were jealous and angry with him. He was sold in Egypt to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. That's, that's where we ended. So in Egypt, the Lord's presence with Joseph enables him to find favor with Potiphar and the keeper of the prison. So with God's help... Joseph interprets the dreams of two prisoners, predicting that one of them would be reinstated and that the other would be put to death. That happens. Joseph then interprets the dreams of the Pharaoh, which anticipates seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And obviously, Pharaoh recognizes Joseph's, Joseph's God-given ability, and he basically promotes him to the chief administrator of Egypt. Um, then a shortage of food in Canaan forces Jacob, Joseph's father, to send his sons to buy grains from the Egyptians. Benjamin, Joseph's younger brother, remains at home because Jacob fears of losing him, like he did Joseph. When Joseph finally enc encounters his brothers again, he deliberately conceals his identity. He doesn't tell them who he is. They have no idea that, that that's his, their brother. Joseph goes on to accuse them of being spies, and he, he tells them to return with Benjamin, or he won't sell them any, any grain. So they go back home, and they tell their dad, Jacob, and reluctantly he sends his sons back to Egypt with Benjamin, and they are unexpectedly invited to dine in Joseph's house with him. And remember, they don't know that it's Joseph, their brother. They have no idea. Joseph then tests the character of his brothers by placing a silver cup in the sack of Benjamin and then falsely accuses him of theft. When Judah offers to stay in place of Benjamin, Joseph knows at that point that his character has changed and reveals that he is their brother. Can you imagine that? Thinking, 
you know, we don't know where Joseph's at. He's in slavery somewhere. He's, maybe he's dead. Who knows? And then all of a sudden, you're in this guy's house who's somebody. Hey, it's me, your brother. Hello. I mean, mic drop. Can you imagine that? I'd like to have been in the room when that happened. And Joseph explains, look, you don't need to feel guilty for what happened, for what you did, betraying me. You know, it was God's plan for me to be in Egypt so I could preserve our family. He told them to bring their father and his entire household into Egypt to live in the province of Goshen because there were five more years of famine left. Joseph supplied them with Egyptian transport wagons, new garments, silver, and 20 additional donkeys carrying provisions for the journey. Then Jacob is joyously reunited with his son Joseph. I bet that was one great day to be reunited. You think of, you know, missing your your son who's been gone, not really knowing exactly what happened to him, and then you see him again one day. And that's a great story. But you know, Joseph, he hadn't done anything wrong, had he? He did nothing wrong, yet he was still rejected by his brothers. And it would have been really easy for Joseph just to, to get down on himself after he was sown, uh, sold into slavery. He could have fallen into a real deep depression and just died or continued on as a slave. But he didn't do that, did he? He made the best of his situation, and he kept his faith. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. When you feel rejected or someone rejects you in some manner, remember God can turn that into something better. But you have to keep your faith. So what happened with Jesus? Jesus was rejected by people that he knew. His hometown, by his own disciples. And then he was rejected by the authorities. And he was was eventually accused of blasphemy, mainly for claiming to be the son of God. And that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. So they rejected him, and ultimately they put him to death. However, it's because of his death that we have forgiveness of sins and hope for eternal life. So without rejection, Jesus doesn't die on the cross for our sins, which means we have no hope of eternal life. Jesus didn't lose faith. He didn't lose faith in his father, did he? He knew his father's will, and he knew that he had to die to be the savior for the world. So what does this mean for us? Rejection's a part of life, like I said at the beginning. We all have to deal with it. And just as I said a while ago, though, or through God, sorry, through God, or God can turn that rejection into something even better. So when we're rejected, God can take that and he can turn that into something better. But you have to keep your faith. You know, I, uh, I got turned down uh, for a job that I thought I really wanted. 
God gave me a better job. I uh, rejected friends in the past. You know, a couple friends that I probably, we probably could have been really, really good friends. But I rejected that friendship because it would have taken me places I didn't need to go. God turned around, gave me Christian friends. He gave me a Christian family. My girlfriend rejected me after dating a little over a year. Someone that, like I said, I thought I was in love. God didn't just give me a better girlfriend. God gave me the one. Two weeks from today, we'll be married 20 years. And through that marriage, I've gotten an amazing family. It's a beautiful little girls that aren't so little anymore. <laughs> you think rejection's the end, but it's not. It's the beginning. Don't let rejection cause you to lose your faith. Always keep your faith and pray for God's will to be done in your life. Because he's going to take it and he's going to make it better. As we get toward the end here, we may go through a lot of rejection in this life, but there is no greater rejection and will be no greater rejection than being rejected from heaven. Because that's the end. You can't go back. You can't do life over again. There's no happy ending once you've been rejected from heaven. You can't do your life over at that point. The word of advice, don't reject Jesus and his doctrine. If you're here today and you believe Jesus is the son of God, that he lived a perfect life and died on the cross for your sins, but you, you haven't turned your life over to Jesus and you haven't been baptized for the remission of sins, well, guess what? You're rejecting Jesus, you're rejecting his doctrine, and you're rejecting his invitation to heaven. You can come up with what all, every excuse you want to come up with. I want to get my life straight. I want to quit smoking. I want to quit drinking. I want to quit sleeping with people. I want to this. I want to that. Before I get baptized, it's not going to do you any good at the end. And on top of that, you're going to have a hard time overcoming those things without Christ in your life. You want to get right? You want to quit those things? And you believe all what I just said a while ago, that, he's a son, that Jesus was a son of God, he lived a perfect life, and he died for your sins? It's time to get baptized. It's time to turn your life around. And through him, you can do that. You're not going to do it on your own. It's not going to happen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.